the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got another great show. Great to be together. You're going to want to listen to this back and forth, forward and backwards. So go over to uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. You'll get the podcast link there. Go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com. You'll also get the show there. And just pay attention. Pay attention right now. It's Ed Martin. Ed Martin's Pro-America Report. Great to be together. We uh, will get to what you need to know in a moment. And uh, we're winding down, obviously, the presidency of Donald J. Trump. Um, incredible term. I think the first... I think the one term of President Trump, this is his first term, we'll see what happens next, will be regarded as one of the great um, periods in uh, American political history. Up and down, by the way, in the sense that I think he did great stuff, lots of great stuff. We'll go through much of that in the next couple of days. But also he smoked out some of the really nasty stuff. I mean, the deep state, uh, the, uh, the the fake news, big tech. I mean, he really got, as someone said, you know, you can tell a lot by somebody's enemies. He has made his enemies. Um, they've been clear as a bell and man alive. They haven't been ineffective. Let me say it that way. That's a that's a reverse negative or whatever, but they have been effective. They really have been effective. And um, it is uh, it is incredible to me to think of how much has happened. So um, we let's let's talk about it. We're going to get um, a very interesting guest in a few moments. We'll talk to Mike Gonzalez. I've had his book for a while. It's in counter books. And I've had his book for a while. It's called The Plot to Change America, How Identity Politics is Dividing the Land of the Free. And really interesting. Um, and he is at Heritage. He's a good writer. Uh, we'll hear what he has to say. Maybe more important than ever, I've been trying to fine-tune this phrase, but you know, Joe Biden and his ilk, the left, they use, they use the hyphenated Americans, the hyphen, they hyphenate as, a, as a, a way to cut people to pieces. They use the hyphen to cut people down. The hyphenated Americans. So we'll talk with uh, Mike Gonzalez in a few minutes. And then, as I mentioned, we will also check in with Dr. Brett M. Decker. All right. What do you need to know today? Let me tell you a phrase. Let me tell you a story. But here's the phrase. If you, here's, a, here's a sentence. I got this in a text from one of the listeners. If, if you liked 2010, then you're going to love 2022. Okay? If you like 2010, you're talking politics now. In 2010, it was an absolute landslide against Barack Obama's administration. And in 2010, you had people winning for office and, and it was a landslide. Toad control of the U.S. House, the Senate won seats. I mean, just a big, big landslide. The energy was focused. People that said, we don't want the direction of this country. If you like 2010, you're going to love 2022. With one caveat, with one caveat, and I'll tell you that in a moment. First, let me tell you about 2010. I lived it. I actually ran for office in 2010. In 2009, I announced I was running for Congress because I was so scared and sick of what was happening. You know, Obamacare happened late that year. We had the bailouts and stimulus, the incredible misspending, the money that was funneled to unions, supposed to be shovel-ready jobs. Remember that line? It was supposed to be shovel-ready jobs. It was nothing. It was just transfer of wealth to lots of liberals and others, not just liberals. And it was just terrible. And so I filed and ran. And I was running in a district that was a Democrat district by like 10 points. It was Dick Gephardt's old district, and it was occupied by a guy named Russ Carnahan. 
And I'll tell you, it, Russ Carnahan was a, the, the district was very, very solidly drawn, so Dick Eppard would never lose. Russ Carnahan was not energetic, and the district was sort of like um, Middle America. There was an urban part, South St. Louis, that had lots of folks that were, I don't know, everything. Bosnian-Americans, Italian-Americans, and the hill is in that section. It had German-Americans down by Bevo Mill. And then just lots of working folks. Lots of working folks. And then South St. Louis County, Jefferson County, places that overperformed for a guy named Ross Perot in 1992 because they wanted somebody to fight for their jobs. They opposed NAFTA. They opposed and And so I ran as this Tea Party conservative but on this uh, the most popular one of the one of the most popular things I did was a businessman named Mark Ollendorf came to me and said you should put these placards up in businesses and hand them out and it said shop local hire local and we had a whole movement that said we need to shop local, hire local. We'd, St. Louis had lost Anheuser-Busch to a takeover from the Belgian, uh, uh, Brazilian, Brazilian-owned Belgian incorporated company, uh, InBev, AB InBev it became, and all these things. We just were. And so it was a great race. And when I started, people said, oh, you can't win. And then I kept plugging along and I kept plugging along and we had this army of volunteers. And what happened was people were so fed up that they started volunteering and they started giving money and it became this unbelievable uh, kind of uh, uh, um, movement in this district. And you, if you were the Democrats, you couldn't stop. You had to answer. You couldn't stop messing up. You had to answer for all these terrible decisions. And it just became this incredibly positive, big time energy movement. And, and down the stretch in my race, at the very end, two weeks, two and a half weeks out, there was polling that had us tied. And I ended up losing by maybe two points, one and a half, two points, I think. I can't remember for sure. Um, I'll tell you about the another part of that election uh, that ties to the one caveat on this. But the energy and the excitement of people being able to come together and stop what was happening, it was palpable. I often tell people it was one of the greatest experiences of my life to be part of that because we were banded together. And across the country, they started paying attention down the stretch. John Boehner came to St. Louis to campaign for me because suddenly I was on the radar screen. I mean, I was on anybody's radar screen for a long, long time. And here's the thing. On election night, we're winning, winning, winning. At the very end of the night, it gets late, and suddenly certain certain precincts come in, and I lose. Might sound familiar. And it took me, I don't know, five days to con- to, to actually concede the race because I, I needed to dig into it and figure out why that happened. And I, ultimately, I came to believe, I'm not sure I'm right totally, but I came to believe that, yeah, it was these districts, these, these precincts that came in. But here's the caveat. And I had run the election board in St. Louis in the area, in that dist- in that district uh, a few years before, five years before. So I was pretty confident I'd figured out that I just lost. It was a district that was really, really tough. Um, so, but here's the caveat. 20, so here's the setup. 2020, 2010 included unbelievable energy. People got focused on their priorities. They put aside their differences and they said, we have to stop this. We have to stop what was happening in its tracks. And because congressional races are closer to the people, generally a little bit more than, you know, Senate races and governor's races, they're still sometimes big and sprawling. You had the ability to build these operations, these movements of people that were so excited to stop what was going on and lay out a vision. And and it was really, it was 2010. It was six years before Trump, five years before Trump, but it had a lot of the flavor of the Trumpian thing. You know, it was, it was uh, back to basics, back to fighting for American jobs, shop local, hire local, all the rest of that. So it was very cool. Very, very exciting. 
Here's the caveat. I mean, 2022 will be like that. If we do our jobs right, if we can survive the onslaught of the totalitarian regime, which is a big ifs, we have a chance in 2022. It will be very, very exciting. It will be exciting not only because of the of the reality of stopping them, but building that community of people who shares the values to win those races. It'll be really, really life giving and fun and and extraordinarily important really big here's the caveat between now and then in every state in every place in every community we have to demand election integrity laws transparency in the system and confidence built in the system by fighting the fraud and also the perception of fraud this is a huge huge caveat because if you thought 2010 was unbelievable 2022 will be even bigger but the fake news and big tech will cover for the election that doesn't have transparency. I have said over and over again, you'll hear me say it again right now. I don't know if the election was stolen in 2020. I don't know. I don't have all the proof. I see a lot of evidence. But I do know this. Nobody allowed the American people to get a full transparent view of what happened in a way that gave them confidence. That's the reality. The media and fake news, as well as big tech, they shut it down. And a lot of people, including Republicans, said, just move on. And the fact is, the confidence in the system has to be restored. So 2022 will be bigger and better and more life-giving and more extraordinary and amazing for our nation if we can get fair elections. And the only way to get fair elections is systematically, as you build this, uh, these campaigns and build these opportunities, that you go about finding ways to pass laws and file lawsuits and be involved in such a way that you can stop the elections from being stolen. That's the only way. It's a big caveat. It's as big a caveat as I've ever seen. It doesn't have to do with the candidates. doesn't have to do with the money. doesn't have to do with anything. All those things in 2022 will come along with hard work and lots of, you know, you're going to have to work at it, but it won't matter if we don't get election integrity, if we don't get protection for the election system. That's the reality. All right, there you have it. That's today's Wink. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up and listen to the Wink there. We'll come back. We'll talk with our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker, and also visit with uh, Mike Gonzalez, whose new book is out. Take a break real quick. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Let's get an update, a preview, a uh, analysis from our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker is a New York Times bestselling author, author of numerous books, was a journalist for the Wall Street Journal Asia, as well as the Washington Times. He was the editorial page editor and serves on the United, the United States. The USA Today Board of uh, Advisors for the op-ed page and is a professor at Defiance College in Ohio. Dr. Decker, you've seen many transitions. Uh, what is your sense of this transition to the Biden administration? Well, you know, it, it's interesting to see uh, Biden talk about how he wants to represent all Americans when, uh, I mean, they have the most radical agenda ever coming up, right? I mean, Green New Deal, they're talking about like $4 trillion or something like crazy like that in new taxes. Um, so, uh, you, you know, you have a divided country, a violently divided country, right? I mean, you had riots all over the place, like so much of last year, and then uh, the protest at the Capitol. I, you know, that that the media likes to call an insurgency or an insurrection. I mean, you know, 
they're char- they're talking about charging people with sedition. They didn't even charge General Lee with that, right? And they let a a, a, right. a war for four years against the federal government. So, so I, something needs to give, right? We're at a dangerous spot, and I, you know, I don't think people realize that you can just have seven. Like a poll shows, seventy five percent of Republicans think the election was stolen. How can you? That's you know, half the country is is basically not leftist, and seventy five percent of that half doesn't think the election's legit. How do they think you can just go on and everything's going to be okay? I, I think it's kind of a, a scary period. So something has to give, you know, at some point. I don't know what that's going to be. Well, and here's a, here's a question I want to ask you again, because we're talking with Dr. Brett Decker. He was a, a keen observer of, of politics and, and, and history, but also, you know, you served in the Bush uh, W. White House and you were, you know, you've written and covered a lot of these things. Um, already you seem to see, we seem to see, a signal from Mitch McConnell and the Republicans that they'll sort of work with the Democrats. And my question there is, will they work with Democrats on, you know, new wars? spending on infrastructure, uh, growing the power of the intelligence uh, community. Is that what we can expect? Is that where we're headed? We're sort of headed to the, the old normal? Or are we going to have uh, the Kamala Harris wing of the of the Democrats actually try to do the far left stuff? And maybe it's both. Maybe the Congress and the president will do all that stuff. And meanwhile, the executive branch uh, with, a, you know, with a uh, judiciary just kind of compliant will do the other. Is that what we're looking at? Boy, Ed, you know, I, I'm afraid we're going to go to the same old, same old, and it's going to be terrible. And, and, you know, you don't need, right, they can ram through a lot of stuff in the House, and you don't need that many weasel Republicans to peel off to pass things in the Senate, right? Especially if they uh, do away with the filibuster and things like that. And I, I think Republicans, you know, Republicans better be careful because that was a long time in the wilderness between the Eisenhower years and when Newt Gingrich, Dick Armey and Tom DeLay and everything, you know, kind of led that uprising in the Republican revolution where you had conservatives take back the majority for the first time in forever. You know, I mean, those were decades where Republicans were just right. They were milk toast. They were boring. They would, they would have, um, you know, useless, oppositional votes or just go along with anything the majority put up and you look at how far the country went left uh you know from eisenhower until 1994 and we could be going into a long period of darkness like that because um uh, the republican base is is not happy and i don't think like in previous elections where they get disappointed but then they kind of decide well i can't vote for the democrats i'm not ready to give up voting so i'll just you know i'll just bite my uh, upper lip and, and vote for the gop i'm not sure the base is, is going to do is going to fall into that again and and right and, and that leaves the gop in a, in a tough spot right and there is no third party because to have a majority or to do anything effective, it ends up being the same people anyway. So, you know, the GOP needs to realize, you know, it wasn't just all about Trump. Voters supported him. Partially they thought he was funny and they liked that he was politically correct and everything, but it was because finally the base, right? You had a lot of Democrats obviously vote for Trump, blue collar workers. Finally, like someone is speaking to our issues. So it wasn't really just the personality of the guy. It was... 
you know, standing up to China, bringing factories back, you know, not just selling people's jobs overseas. People were, were excited that someone finally was standing up for them. And now no one is going to stand up for them again. And, and, and I think, I think that has consequences. And, and I, and I think the Republican party needs to realize Trump issues are winners. It, what, you know, they, they don't have to like him or continue to stand up mm-hmm. for him to realize his issues are winners. And that, and that's what it's, it's what America needs. It's uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. And so, um, however, my my question is a different one. A lot of what it feels, it feels uh, 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 feels different, right? It feels different than a normal shift because the media is so blatantly lying. Um, you know, they just can't stop lying about Trump and about Trump supporters. I mean, that's really what I'm not just exaggerating. I mean, they're lying about who they are and what they're about to the detriment of the nation. And big tech has, uh, you know, I was saying to somebody, um, what happened? happens after Trump is out of office. He can't tweet. He doesn't. I don't think he can have a YouTube channel. He, they're not going to cover him except the way they want to, which is to say Trump is bad. You know, they actually have effi- effectively silenced one of the loudest voices, whatever you think of his voice, one of the loudest voices ever and ever, ever. I mean, in the in, 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 in world history. And so um, where are we in terms of, uh, I, I guess... Is it really the old normal is back or is the new normal something really nasty? You know, they announced today that uh, they're going to keep 6,500 troops in in Washington, D.C. Uh, to uh, guard the Capitol. I don't know, guard the, the you know, keep, keep peace. Um, you know, that seems like an overreach to me. Uh, but I, I mean, here we are. Is, is this our, the new normal? The old normal might be welcome compared to what the new normal might be. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good point, and I think I think the left really wants to take it to a scary new place. You know, AOC and people can say, "Oh, she's you know she's just out on the fringe." Well, no, she's been moving their party in her direction, and you know she's been talking about re-educating conservatives to get rid of white supremacy. So you're talking about re-education camps. That's not a right-wing conspiracy. She said it, right? I was driving. I was driving uh, from Michigan seeing my mom the other day, and I, you know, I was on NPR. Must, I must have been flipping between rock and roll stations or whatever. And I was, I hit NPR, <laughs> yeah. and and they were not like I'm just sitting there, you know, driving through the cornfields listening to NPR all the time. But they had somebody on who was saying conservatives were fomenting the race riots last year. They were the organizers. It's, you know, it's not Soros and Antifa. Conservatives were the ones going, stirring people up and leading them to do it. So what are they going to make up and invent to create a pretext to clamp down on people, right? The other thing AOC is talking about is how they need to control and censor the media more. Really? Because the media is so rabidly conservative? No, they want to just shut down whatever outlets our side has. And they're talking about this mm-hmm. openly. Members of Congress talking about it, right? Re-education for people, um, shutting down media that isn't uh, uh, that doesn't toe the liberal line. I mean, I think it's scary, scary police state stuff. And it's it's not right. This isn't um, some conspiracy website. It's uh, Democratic members talking about it. So I, I think it's uh, I think it is trouble ahead. And um, if you look at what they did in this election, what 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 how how can people stop it? And I think that's a scary thing. 
Well, and uh, uh, so my hope, my hope, my my hope rests in uh, in two things: the states rising up and and get demanding the bunch of red states, as well as some leaders developing. But I I don't know how confident I am um, in the short term. And as you point out, usually. 2022 would be if if you like 2010 as if you remember 2010 and the sweep in of the Republicans you'll love 2022 except the fake news and big tech and the fake election the fraud make it un- I don't know can you ever win another election again unfortunately Dr Decker I have to go because I ran I just filibustered the end of your time so thank you for being with us we'll have you back on next week Dr Brett M Decker thanks again yeah, if you can't get me, I'll be, you know, uh, I'll be a fishing instructor or something down in the Florida Keys. And <laughs> the gulag, and the gulag, you'll be teaching fly fishing in the gulag. All right, we'll take yeah. a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin. It's the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I've been looking forward to this. Our next guest is Mike Gonzalez. Mike Gonzalez, he wears a bunch of hats. He's a, a senior fellow uh, at the Heritage Foundation. He's uh, worked in the Bush administration. He's uh, worked at the SEC under a guy, uh, Chris Cox, who I remember well. I, w- I wonder where he is because he was a wonderful, dynamic character and a, and a leader. And But more importantly, from the standpoint of Mike's uh, work, I have in my hand his book, which is just out. Uh, it is entitled The Plot to Change America, How Identity Politics is Divided the land of the free. It is uh, uh, published uh, just a few in the last uh, a couple of um, months. Encounter Books published it. You can find it everywhere you find books. So, uh, Mike Gonzalez, welcome to the program. How are you? Ed, it's a, entirely a pleasure to be on with you. Thanks a lot for having me on. Well, and it's a very interesting book. Very, um, it's really an academic book too. There's a lot of footnotes. It's kind of, um, it's in that uh, genre to me of of people that are writing, uh, you know, uh, with some uh, uh, polemic style, but backed up with a million footnotes, which is great. Um, first, let me ask you broadly. I've been saying this, and I haven't gotten my words around it. It feels like the hyphenated American movement is just—it's all about dividing. And and maybe now, in the last maybe six months or a year, the hyphen is like a sword it used to ju- it used to just divide us now it's like a sword that's like lopping off people and how you know you, when you wrote the, you've been writing this book i'm sure for longer than you know the last few months it, it feels like the heat is higher on this in terms of dividing the country am i feeling it wrong well you're not you're right uh and there's a, there's a political purpose to this well, let me give you a caveat. Uh, I don't mind people saying they're Italian American or, or, or Mexican American. I sometimes I call myself. Uh, in fact, in the New York context, you would not you would not even say American. You would say I'm Italian, even though you've been here seven generations, and everybody knows that you've been in Brooklyn for seven generations, and right. nobody would question that. When you say you're Irish right. in Boston, nobody thinks you're Irish. Everyone understands right. that you know your grandfather fought in World War II. Um, I right. think it's, uh, it's, it's healthy uh, that uh, to have a self-understanding of, of who you are individually, who, where you come from, what your ancestors did. I certainly, I think that's very healthy for me. The question is these categories that have been concocted by the government, um, such as uh, what I mean by that very quickly is Hispanic or Asian American or the 32 genders of, of the New York City uh, uh, Human Rights Department. Uh, and then imbued its members instilled with grievances in, in victimhood about America in, sen- in the sense that 
they are uh, they they deserve compensatory justice uh, or, or or retribution or attention because of the the the, the, their, the status as victims in American society because American society is so supposed to be racist and evil. That is really what I am I am against. That that is the the the, the, the rot, and it really is meant to change the country. And we're talking again with Mike Gonzalez in his book is The Plot to Change America Everywhere Books Are Available. Um, Mike, uh, in one of the chapters, I, of course, you know, every it's so funny how uh, uh, public, um, you know, uh, coverage of things gets, catches your attention. Uh, I hadn't thought about Antonio Gramsci, I don't think, for since I was probably in college. And then because um, Pete Buttigieg's father was a professor at Notre Dame and an expert on Antonio Gramsci, I remember during the Democrat primary kind of reading back on it and all. But in the chapter on that, one of the things that I think is interesting is um, you, you talked about how Gramsci was saying that that the working class almost became co-opted by uh, by the, the 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 powerful as and and against their interest and 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 the question I have now is one of the things about the Trump movement is that it seemed to draw a lot of people not everyone right not not every Mexican American citizen voted for Trump but more than usually did because the, I think they felt like there was a guy on their side fighting for their side and it used to be the democrat party in some sense because of unions and other things how does that fit into this this dividing thing that's happening this this you know kind of identity politics there's not a working class division the same way there is these other ethnic and racial classes or is there am i am i missing that in terms of what we're we're arguing about no no you're, you're absolutely right uh, by the way, just a, a side note on Buttigieg, Buttigieg used to talk about his father saying, his, my immigrant father, which gave uh, the audience this idea of this, this lunch pail guy heading into the factory floor. <laughs> that, you know, right. in, in, in fact, the, the, the factory in South Bend is the University of Notre Dame, and the guy was <laughs> the, the most Gramscian scholar in the country at the time. If you want to get a really right. good translation of Antonio Gramsci, and he was the president of the Gramsci Club, so he, he was really he, he deeply steeped into Gramsci's ideas. And Gramsci is absolutely, uh, he, he really is super important to everything that is going on. You know, our country was, was convulsed by riot last year because of Gramsci. Gramsci was the one that had these ideas, you very well observed, that the, um, the worker had accepted the family, the, the nation state, the, the, the religion, and the, the economic system of his oppressor. So his oppressor no longer needed to use the threat of violence, the threat of coercion to make the worker do his bidding. What he meant by that, and, and Marcuse, Herbert Marcuse, his disciple, perhaps his disciple, put it uh, in those terms exactly, that the worker was happy. The worker he had individual agency. The worker thought that he could improve his lot by striving individually and, and improve the, the lot of his family. But that's not what they want. That's not what they want. Mm-hmm. They want to change the system. If you if you uh, if, if you work hard and you raise your economic socioeconomic status, you're joining the system, right, Ed? They don't want that. Yeah. They, they don't like the system. They don't like capitalism. They don't like democracy. So they want to change the system, destroy the system. So so they admit all Gramscians do, Angela Davis, all the leaders, our leaders, they'll admit that you can. Uh, become successful individually, but they say no. What you're going to do is perpetuate a bad system. That obviously is false. America says, America, if American system is so bad, why is there a long line of millions waiting at the door to get in? 
It is. Uh, we're, again, we're talking with Mike Gonzalez, and he's over at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, that's where his day job is, and he writes this the book is The Plot to Change America. Out, out I, I realize now, I'm looking at it more specific, about six months ago, available where you buy books, Encounter Books uh, published it. Um, and uh, Mike, so where do we go from here? I mean, we, we now have, a, I, again, I argued, and I was I was for him politically as well as in terms of uh, many of the policy issues for the President Trump, and I thought he lifted Team America. He didn't care who you were, if you unless you weren't an American citizen, then he was for the American citizens first. That's how I saw him. Now we have a president that, you know, a few weeks ago got a lot of attention, President-elect Biden, soon to be president, where he said, we're going to get this COVID relief. It's going to be targeted for businesses and African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, uh, minority Americans. And, you know, again, the, and, and Stephen Cohen, the congressman from Tennessee, gets on and says, we got a bunch of white, uh, too many white, well, he didn't say too many, a bunch of white men, uh, white people who serve in the National Guard, they voted for uh, for against Biden. You know, it, there's a, there's a, it, where are we headed? I mean, they say, let's uni- unify, except for a whole big chunk of people, Trump supporters and sounds like white guys, you're, you're a secondary, you know, you're second class, that's a bit much, a second class citizens, maybe a little much, but you get my point. Where are we, where do we head with this, Mike? Well, um, look, first of all, we have to hope, right? Biden is our president. We have to hope he does the right thing. Uh, that, however, you know, as Reagan used to say, trust but verify. Uh, the signs, yeah. uh, the, the signs are not. I, I you, I, you, I, I don't know. I hope that he unifies the country. Uh, and, 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 and I think all, all right thinking Americans should believe that. But right now, he's not saying things that are very unifying. Uh, you know, he's going to have to answer to his left. Um, uh, this thing that Cohen uh, uh, said was atrocious. I'm trying to find a time to, to write something about this, but this is where it leads. This is where it leads. You get, first of all, this idea, as I said, you know, the, the, the category of Hispanic and a category of Asian American, for that matter, were invented in, 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 in neon lit office budget in 1977 and slapped on the census for the first time in 1980. Uh, and, and they bring in people of many, many different backgrounds, uh, people with, with many different cultures and histories. Uh, the case of relations is really an incredibly, uh, you know, huge category that brings in one third of humanity. Uh, people, Americans, from uh, of Indian or Pakistani or Indonesian or Korean or or, or Japanese background are all plunged into this. The idea that the that a certain people, let's say for example, a quote unquote Hispanic, deserves to be ahead in line in terms of the vaccine, it does not hold water. Why is that, Ed? Because the two right. things that it are either you, you know your your inheritance, your DNA, or right. You eat your cultural habits, right? That's going to determine whether right. you have a propensity uh, for, 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 for diabetes or a propensity uh, for heart disease. And so, you know, you have a group such as, quote unquote, Hispanics or people who don't share uh, the same DNA. You know, that people in the Caribbean can tend to be, uh, have a lot of more African blood. The people from uh, Mexico have to have, some of them might have more Native American blood. People from Argentina would have you know, some, some exclusively European blood. So in terms of health, in, in terms of Hispanic is meaningless. And so this is, this is the, 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 
Are you there? I think I might have just lost. Oh, I, I, yeah, I thought I lost you. Go ahead, keep going. Finish that thought. Yeah, please. In, in, in terms of, of health, it is absurd. Yeah, it's um, it is. Uh, the question is whether, as it gets maybe gets worse, um, how do we break through it? I hope more people think it uh, doesn't work. Um, we're out of time, unfortunately. Mike, Mike Gonzalez, and his book is "The Plot to Change America: How Identity Politics Is Dividing the Land of the Free." Couldn't happen at a better time. Also, Mike Gonzalez, I should say, he's at Heritage Foundation. He was appointed to the 1776 Commission. My listeners know we've talked about this in the last few days. Very interesting report published. Uh, I, I kind of say to myself, I, I wish that there was some way that it could exist after the Biden administration or have some more teeth. And we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll have you back on again to talk about that. But thank you, Mike, very much. Keep up the good work and interesting work. I suspect you're going to be more important. This topic's going to be even more important in the coming uh, in the coming few years. So thanks very much. That's very nice, Ed. Thank you very much. God bless. All right. God bless you. We'll take a break. When we come back, I'll put it, by the way, I'll put up his book uh, up on social media and you can check it out. And uh, it's really good. Really interesting to follow. All right. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Some misguided conservatives believe the only way to protect our Constitution is to destroy it. They've fallen victims to a propaganda campaign aimed at recruiting conservatives to be the instruments of their own destruction. This propaganda campaign is very clever. They make their message sound conservative. They want you to think they're on your side. However, if you dig past the pictures of American flags and out-of-context quotes from the Founding Fathers, you will see a threat to the very fabric of our nation. The threat I speak of is called the Convention of States Project, or COS. Their proposition is that we call a new constitutional convention to change our current U.S. Constitution. If that sounds like a bad idea, that's probably because it is. Of course, COS makes it sound like the founding fathers themselves will come back from the grave to update the Constitution and clarify any of the mistakes they might have made the first time around. COS paints a picture of a room full of delegates calmly debating various proposals to make the nation more conservative with all the participants motivated by goodwill. The reality of a modern-day constitutional convention would be much different. Not only would delegates be playing out of different rule books with different motivations, but one side wouldn't even have a rule book. Why should we expect a representative constitutional convention to operate differently from the representation we presently have in Congress? Unlike the last constitutional convention, there'll be no way to keep out the media, no way to keep out the big money and special interests, and there'll be no unifying figure of George Washington to preside over the proceedings. Imagine what might have happened if you replaced George Washington, Ben Franklin, and Alexander Hamilton of the last convention with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Adam Schiff. Exploiting Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution to call for a new constitutional convention under the guise of the Convention of States, the balanced budget, or anything else, it's simply a bad idea. As conservatives, we need to make the preservation of our U.S. Constitution a top priority. Don't let fake conservatives risk it all on a pipe dream. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Anyone pushing for a constitutional convention doesn't have a full appreciation for the brilliance and beauty of the original document ratified back in 1788. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find all kinds of reasons why a con-con could be a disaster for the American way of life. Check out phyllisschlafly.com. 
and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Listen, I just want to give you sort of what I think, what I think on uh, tomorrow, on, on the inauguration day. Uh, for those of you who listen to this inauguration day, I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do. I am not going to watch the TV all day. I've got a few things I've got to record. I've got to do some uh, vi- uh, some video work. And then I'm going to go see an old friend. I'm going to have an, I'm, <laughs> I wrote this on Twitter. I'm going to have an old friend for lunch. If you, if you like that reference, uh, we'll see if Noah gets that one. And here's the thing. I'm not going to mourn the day. I'm not going to sit in. I'm not going to be in sackcloth and ashes and black mourning America. I'm going to say to myself, okay, this is what happened. We are stronger as a country. We are better as a country than any division that even Joe Biden seems to be doing. Than even the fake news and big tech are doing. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It feels bigger and more daunting than I could have ever imagined it. It really does, especially the power of big tech. It, it is just it is really hard for me to um, to believe that how powerful it is, how it shapes the narrative in a way that's just stunning. The the uh, the, the, the 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 it's incredible to me to watch the power of a story being told by the fake news and the big tech and it's just being taken in completely it it is just it's incredible to see it's it's incredible to see it's very worrying but i i, I don't mind I'm, I'm telling you tomorrow on inauguration day i am going to spend the day I'm going to spend the day celebrating the good things, getting ready for a battling for good things, being a voice for people that are getting down on themselves. Because a bunch of people thought, well, maybe at the last minute there'll be a great you know, saving moment, a great thing that happens. I, I, I did not ever believe that. I thought after we went past a certain point in terms of the constitutional fight, the thing was over. And that's where we are. And I do believe that. And I think that's where we're going to be. So here's, a, here's another thing. Uh, you might have seen the president gave a speech, his farewell address. You can go over to the Epic Times, um, the Epic Times dot uh, com. I'm not sure as I'm, as I'm saying that if I've got the website exactly right, but I'll get it and put it up on social media. But what you need to do, I'll give you a window today. First of all, celebrate the good things in our lives, especially the Constitution and celebrate the success of this president's effort. The current president, not the next one, the current president, because there has been some great successes, some really special things done, and it is worth uh, taking the time to celebrate. Over at the Epic Times, he gives a farewell speech, uh, President Trump does, and it's it's really worth um, it's worth uh, reading. If you can get the um, uh, audio of it, it's worth uh, uh, watching that. Um, it is, you know, look, he has put a ton into this. He didn't need this. He did not need this. You know, he didn't need to go through this, the nastiness and all the trouble, and he did it. And you have to say at a certain point that maybe the left will never say it, but I say it, that he did it because he believed in the country and he wanted to give back. That's the only way you could go through all this. I really don't know how you'd put up with all the insanity that he's had to put up with and, and go, you know, and, and for, for you don't do it. for He didn't do it for money. He didn't do it for fame. He had money and fame. He did it because he had a vision of how he could help what he believed in and what the country could be. And that's what he did. 
And I think it made a huge difference. So what you need to do today, what you need to do, one last thing to do for this president is uh, go and read his speech and uh, the farewell speech. And uh, I happen to know the guy who wrote it and so or, you know, helped to draft it and uh, put it in the president's words and then um, work with him on that. And it's um, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool speech. So celebrate that. Don't get down and uh, wake up the next day. We got a lot of work to do. So it is... Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be good. And you should uh, go uh, and uh, and have a good day. Don't let yourself get down on Inauguration Day. I think what I'll do is watch the um, read the speech that Biden gives uh, afterwards. I won't pay attention to it. Uh, in fact, as I mentioned, an old friend, I won't say who it is because uh, I don't necessarily, he doesn't necessarily need, but an old great conservative friend of mine and I are going to have lunch and make sure that we're occupied uh, for the time uh, that we would have to watch uh, Joe Biden give his acceptance speech. So there you have it. All right. That's about all I've got. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, for putting the show together, and also to Joanna for booking our guests. If you want to give me some feedback, direct messages are open over at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And you can also uh, email me, ed, at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com, uh, or Facebook, it's Ed Martin Live. So have a great night, everybody. Back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.